Welcome to the Grove Church's message podcast. My name is Julie Penta, and I am the lead pastor of the Grove Church, which is located in Fort Collins, Colorado. We hope this message inspires you to live for Christ more fully. For more information, visit our website at thegrovecommunity.net and check out our Instagram, thegrovefc. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to week three of our series called Hashtag Squad Goals. So Hashtag Squad Goals. Some of you may have heard of this term before. Some of you may not have. But it is, in, in essence, an inspirational term for what you want you and your group of friends to be like. It kind of took over the scene back in 2015. It got really popular. People have been tweeting it and Instagramming it left and right, and it's kind of taken on these different meanings over the years. Um, one of the things that people often post when they're doing hashtag squad goals is pictures of um, dogs. And so I put I've, uh, up here on the screen, I have a picture of some how cute are those amazing Alaskans, Moya dogs? Our neighbors just got one, and she is so giant and fluffy. And it's like, hey, hashtag squad goals. This is what we want to be like, this adorable group of puppies, these, these Alaskan uh, you know, sleigh dogs. And then another thing that's really common for people to put on their hashtag squad goals is just really awesome pictures of food. And one of the most common things being a really awesome hamburger. People will post hashtag squad goals, meaning it is ideal. It's the best that's out there. It's what you really want to be. And so I thought for this morning, it would be really fun if we took a hashtag squad goals picture. I'm gonna take a selfie on my phone and I want you guys, if you can, to squeeze in if you're physically able, and we're gonna, take a, we're gonna take a selfie. And I want you guys to be like totally silly and have a lot of fun in the background, so. Guys, this is hashtag squad goals. <laughs> this is the ideal, okay? So look like you like each other. All right, here, ready? Hashtag squad goals, Woo! Awesome. So you'll see that on my Instagram later. So you may have used this hashtag 100 times. You may never have used it. You might not even have an Instagram if you're a little bit older. But the fact of the matter is, is that we all want a hashtag squad goals. We all want a group of friends that loves us, that cares about us, is fighting for us, has our best interest in mind. And this is what we wanna be as a group. We have a common goal in mind. We have this common goal to be a green space in our community. It's where we got the name The Grove. Our desire is to go out in our community and literally make it healthier, better, stronger, to be there for people that are lost, searching, and confused, to be a place where you are part of the squad the moment that you walk inside of these doors. To be a place where you can come in not knowing if you believe in God, but hearing from us that he believes in you and that he has moved heaven and earth for you to be here this morning. And we just encourage you, hey, even if you're not sure about the whole God thing, keep coming. Keep learning about this God that loves you and is providing a hashtag squad goals to be a part of your life. So the first week we talked about what Jesus has to say about friendship in general. It's something that you may not know is that he commanded us to be friends with each other. He said, hey listen, I, I've lived amongst you for a really long time. I've been friends with you, 
but now I'm going up back to heaven, and in my place, I want you guys also to start being really good friends with each other, because we have this goal, and you guys are gonna need each other. Then last week, we talked about what that actually looks like to be friends with one another. We used the story of an animal, uh, an elephant, when they're giving birth. All of the herd members surround this elephant. They protect it, they support it, and they trumpet in celebration. We said, hey, that's what we wanna be as a group of people. We wanna be hashtag squad goals to each other, this group of people that is supporting each other when you're going through a rough time, that celebrates you when something awesome happens. And then this morning, we are talking about a bigger picture. We're expanding what it looks like to have a squad. So our squad isn't supposed to just be about having friends that are helping to encourage us. Our squad should have people in our midst that are not just being our friends, but are helping us grow. And a way I can describe that is by saying that I want us to have a 360-degree squad, meaning... On this level playing field, you've got like 90 degrees and 270 degrees. This is people that are on the same level as you. But then looking up at the 360 degrees, you have people that are leading you, that you are learning from. And then down is people that you are pouring into and developing. And so today we are talking about what it looks like to have people that we are learning from, what it looks like to have mentors in our lives. Mentorship is not a new thing, it's not a new theory. We have been having mentors for thousands and thousands of years. People used to apprentice a trade, they would learn under somebody and that was how they got their career. People have had mentors for thousands of years. Did you know that Warren Buffett had a mentor, and he was basically known as like the, the modern day guru of, of finance. Oprah Winfrey, she has a mentor. Do you know anybody know who her mentor was? Yeah? Oh, you have my notes. <laughs> Hashtag squad goals, that's very resourceful and creative. So for those of you that don't have my notes and aren't running the slides in the background, uh, Oprah Winfrey, her mentor was Maya Angelou. Now that might be interesting for you to think through the fact that a TV host had a famous poet as her mentor, but early on, Oprah Winfrey understood the power of words. She understood that words could create a story, they could create a vision for somebody, they could inspire change, and so she learned from Maya Angelou how to create change, and she has done it. And all of us, we have these areas in our life that we're wanting to grow in. Whether it's our friendships, dating life, work, leadership, parenting, faith, we have these areas in our life that we are really wanting to grow in. And did you know that you are the average of the five most common people in your life? You are the average of the five people that are most active in your life. And so for some of you, that's really great. You're like, I have great people in my life. I have people in my life that are challenging me and encouraging me. And some of you are going, oh, like some of the people in my life, they're, they're a little bit rough around the edges and, and I'm kind of farther ahead in life than they are. 
And so maybe we need to start adding some people into our lives that are going to mentor us, that are going to help us get towards this preferred future that we want. So for me right now in my life, there's a couple areas that I'm really wanting to grow in. A couple of those are, I really wanna be better at my time management. I am trying to fit a lot of work into a very small amount of time, and so I have been reading blogs and books and talking to people about what they do for their time management. Another thing that I've been really wanting to grow on is being a better mom and dealing with my kids whining. Oh my word, it's driving me crazy. I don't feel like my kid has any other mode right now besides wine. And I'm, I've been trying to ignore him, but then I feel like I would just spend the entire day not talking to him. Because like literally all he does is whine. And so I'm wanting to figure out somebody that can help me with that. All of us have these areas in our life that we're wanting to grow in. And sometimes we don't see much growth. And I think that part of the problem, part of what, hinders us from growing is that we don't have a mentor type person in our life. We don't have somebody saying, hey, listen, here is what I did in the past. Here are the lessons that I've learned. I'm going to help bring you into this preferred future that you have. So what does the Bible have to say about mentoring? Well, quite a lot, in fact. In the Bible, there is a guy named Paul. He started out pursuing new Christians in a bad way. He wanted to shut down the Christian faith, just knock it off of the face of the planet. And so he traveled around hunting out Christians to try to persecute them. And you know what? He was really amazing at being awful. He was really successful in it. And then one day he was walking down this road. God comes into his life has this major change, and God says, hey, listen, I want you to stop persecuting these Christians. I want you to start developing them. And so he's like, okay, because you're really intense and scary and amazing. (laughs) And so sure, sure. So he started doing that. He developed a squad, hashtag squad goals. He traveled around with these people. He went to different cities and told people that there is a God that loved them and wanted to be in relationship with them. He was saying to them a message that I'm saying to you this morning that, hey, you might not believe in God, but he believes you. And he sent his son to die on the earth for your sins. So I'm gonna tell you about him. He had been visiting this one city called Thessalonica. It's actually in um, modern day Greece. We're gonna put it up on the screen, the map that we have. It's circled there so you can get your bearings of where we are in the world. He had been teaching in this city. And then he goes and travels somewhere else. But he remembers this group that he had taught to in Thessalonica, this baby Christian church. So he sends a guy that he had been mentoring named Timothy back to Thessalonica because he was really worried that they weren't gonna stay strong in their faith. But Timothy goes back and he reports to Paul, hey, good news. The church in Thessalonica, they are doing really, really great. Paul was so encouraged that he decided to write them a book to continue to encourage them and to tell them how proud he was that they had stayed true to their faith. And here is where we pick up this story, this passage in Thessalonica, or sorry, 1 Thessalonians 1. And he says in chapter two, you know, you yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, 
that our visit to you was not a failure. He's writing this book to the people that he had lived amongst, that he loved, and he said, listen, our visit to you was not a failure because not only are you guys just surviving as a church, but you are thriving. I am so, so proud of you. He continues to go on and say this in, chapter, in, in verse two. It says, you, you know how badly we have been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. But we prove to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly, tenderly cares for her children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and his glory. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think our words were as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. Wouldn't it be so cool to get that letter from somebody that had been here? that they have written back to you and said, we are just so encouraged about what's going on in you and your lives and the way that you are pursuing your faith. Paul continues to mentor these people towards this preferred future that they were wanting. So in this passage, we are able to see some really good things that a good mentor does. And the first one, the first thing that a good mentor does, a good mentor cares for you. A good mentor cares about you. Now in verse seven, it uses this language of a mom and, and a nursing mom. And back in the day, they definitely still held these very traditional roles and not like we don't have nursing mothers in 2019. But this idea that the ancient culture would have had was that a mother was tender and nurturing, that they took care of their little baby. And there is probably no more nurturing picture than a mother that is nursing her child. And Paul is saying, listen, even though I'm not your mom and I'm a dude, I still really, really, really care about you. He did, he, he lived there, he, he lived amongst them, and then he cared enough to send back Timothy to see how they were doing, and we're talking like on old school, rickety, super dangerous ships, not on a nice, cushy airplane, or even like Frontier where they don't give you any snacks. It's still way worse than Frontier. It was dangerous, he cared that much about them. To then write them a letter to and continue to encourage them. And so for me, when I think about what it looks like to have a mentor that cares about you. What would it look like for you to be intentional about finding somebody that really cared about you in your life? That they cared how you were doing. That they cared about encouraging you towards this preferred future in your life. Now I have a, a, a one-year-old and a three-year-old. My three-year-old is very energetic. He is a super extrovert. 
And we will walk around places, and, and yesterday we were getting gas, and he rolled down, because he knows how to roll down his own window now, so he thinks he's super cool. So he can roll down his own window, rolled it down, and there was somebody pumping gas next to us, and he was like, hi! And the guy just thought it was hilarious, and he's like, well, hi there, and they got in this conversation. Later on, we get to, uh, we are going to this event at the fire station, and Trey had figured out how to open up the sunroof as I was changing my one-year-old in the back of the car, and he's out there just Took, popped, his head is out of the sunroof and he's just looking around saying hi to everybody who's walking by. Now the, the negative side of this is that when people don't hear him or don't see him, he'll turn and he'll look at me and he'll say, mommy, why didn't they say hi to me? I mean, it's like, it's gut-wrenching, okay? And I'm like trying not to cry and I'm like, well, they just didn't see you, baby. I'm so sorry. And he's like, they didn't say hi to me. And he gets this huge pout on his face. And I just, I just want to comfort him because I care about him so much. And I hope that you find a mentor like that in your life, that they just, they want what's best for you. They don't want you to be sad. They want you to have a great future. A great mentor really cares about you. So find somebody like this in your life. What is another thing that a great mentor does? A great mentor practices candor with compassion. Candor with compassion. So what do I mean by this? In verse 11, we see Paul talking about this fatherly language. He says, as a father treats his son, so I have treated you. He says, I encouraged you. I challenged you. I urged you towards this preferred future. And what they're saying is, hey, listen, a mother is really nurturing and she's got that caring and compassionate side. And then a father is going to really challenge you and urge you to be your best, especially in, in these, I'm not saying that mothers and fathers can't do both, but this is where they were coming from in the ancient world. So don't, don't shoot me for it, okay? So this is what a father does. He encourages you, he supports you, he wants you to grow and to get better. And Paul says, hey, listen, I lived amongst you and I told you a better way to live. I said, hey, I, I, you've been doing these things, but maybe you need to do these things instead. In our world, it's really easy for us to be critical on Google, and leave a negative review or on a food website, it's really easy for us to be critical and say what we really think when it's anonymous. But it's really hard for us to be honest with people that are our friends, that are right in front of our faces. We have a hard time saying what's true and what's real. In her book, uh, there was a lady that worked with Sheryl Sandberg. She wrote a book called Radical Candor. Her name is Kim Scott, and she talks about this experience she had with Sheryl Sandberg. If you don't know who Sheryl Sandberg is, she now works at Facebook. She used to use at, at work at Google. She is a high-capacity, amazing leader. She's wrote a ton of books, and she said that there is this meeting at Google where she felt like she hit this meeting out of the park. You ever had a meeting like that? You prepared, you nailed it, it felt really good. And everybody in the room liked what her ideas was, they decided to, to change some things moving forward in Google. And afterward, Cheryl, who had been a mentor of Kim's, and, and Kim knew that Cheryl just thought the world of her, she pulled her aside and she said, hey, I thought that that meeting, the ideas that you shared, they were dead on, they, genius. I think it's really gonna change things here at Google. And Kim's like, well, thanks. 
And then Cheryl said, but I have, I have a growth point for you. You said um about every other word, and it was really distracting. And at first, Kim was very offended. She was very taken aback, and she reacted kind of poorly and said, well, so? Everybody said it was a great meeting, and we're gonna make changes because of it. And Cheryl said, that's fine, do what you want, but I think it's gonna hinder you in your professional life if you don't learn how to talk and not say um, and I think it's gonna hold you back. And after Kim thought about this, and reviewed the meeting and started to hear her speech patterns, she heard that she said, um, a lot. She did some asking and they said, yeah, you know, it, it was a little bit distracting. And so Kim from this kind of wrote a whole book called Radical Candor on, on how we need to be more honest. And she said that Cheryl having the guts to say what needed to be said changed the course of her entire career. How many people do we have in our lives that are willing to say something hard to us? We all have blind spots. There's these things in our lives that we don't see about ourselves that everybody else sees that they wish we would change. And unless we have given some space to a mentor to be honest with us, we are not gonna change, we're not gonna grow. And these things are gonna continue to hold us back. For me, I had somebody say this many years ago. I had graduated college. I had a mentor in college. His name was uh, Dr. Jury. He's still a mentor of mine. Wonderful, wonderful man. And I was dating this guy. We had been dating for about a year, and he was going to start traveling and be gone for about a year. And all of my friends were giving me the, you do you, girl, like the, the super encouraging thing, you know. He loves you. You'll be fine. You'll stick together. And he heard about it, and he, to he told me in person, he said, that boy does not love you. If he loved you, he'd put a ring on your finger before he left. He does not love you, so you need to break up with him and move on. And I was very mad about this situation. I didn't like what he had to say, and I don't think I probably reacted all that great. But as I thought about it, I realized he was right. And it was one of the reasons that we broke up pretty early on in, in his trip overseas is that I, I kept thinking in my head, this thing that this person had told me, this compassion with candor. Because he's like, I think you're, my professor, my mentor was like, I think you're amazing. I think you deserve a guy that wants to propose to you before he goes off overseas for a year. You deserve better than that. But what does it look like for us to find these people in our lives that are gonna say the hard thing to us with compassion, which is exactly what Paul did. Another thing that a good mentor does, another thing that a good mentor does is that they see what you can't. They see what you can't. There is a famous bunch of movies called The Karate Kid. Who has ever seen them? So we found out this out earlier. Um, one of my experiences with Karate Kid is that I was always called Julie Sun growing up, and we figured out it was from the fourth Karate Kid movie. Actually, there was a Julie, and so that is my uh, closeness to the Karate Kid movies. But the very first one tells a story of this guy named Daniel that moves in to an apartment complex with a guy named Mr. Miyagi, who's his landlord, and he gets beat up one day by a group of kids that do karate. And so Mr. Miyagi takes compassion on Daniel and he says, hey listen, I will train you how to do karate so you can defend yourself. Not so that you can get revenge, but so that you can defend yourself. 
And Daniel's like, all right, this sounds great. Let's start training. And one night, Mr. Miyagi has a conversation with Daniel. And he says, listen, I will train you, but you have to do it my way. And don't ask questions. <laughs> Most of us in modern, that, that, like, that wouldn't work for us. We'd be like, mm, I can't, what? I can't ask questions. But he says, listen, trust me. So he has them start by doing menial chores. He has him paint the fence. And Daniel starts painting the fence like this. A couple weeks ago, we did a, a service project with Be the Gift, and some of us were just painting like that, but we got it done, and it was good, and we, we blessed a single mom and, and her bunch of kids. But he says, no, you, you paint like this, up and down, up and down, get the flow going. And then he has him sand his patio, and he's going sand and sand. And then he has him wax his car, and that's all a famous scene that we know where he says, wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. And Daniel eventually gets really mad and he says, hey, listen, I, I'm done with this. You told me you were gonna teach me karate and yet you're just using me as like an indentured servant around your house to do all this housework. I'm, I'm done. And so Mr. Miyagi says, okay, let's fight. Let's do some karate. And as he starts doing karate and trying to go against Mr. Miyagi, he realizes that these motions that he had been doing, that Mr. Miyagi was teaching him, created this muscle memory that he was able to defend himself and do all these awesome karate moves even though he didn't even realize that he had been training for karate. And this is what a mentor does for us. They know things that you don't. They have been to places that you haven't been. They have experiences that you don't have. And they can teach you things that you don't even know that you don't know. Very early on in our, in our church plant, um, I have always had mentors growing up, but for whatever reason, because I'm not the most smart person in the world, I didn't specifically have a church planting mentor when I first started at the Grove. And so things were a little bit shaky and hairy in the beginning. And then one day, somebody said to me, like, well, what, what did your church plant coach say about this? And I said, well, I don't have one. And they kind of looked at me like I had five heads, which they should have. And they said, you're planting a church and you don't have a church planting mentor specifically for that? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds really not smart. So I got one. And in the course of this, they were able to share with me wisdom after insight after wisdom after insight of all of these things that would have been so helpful to know, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And we have this in every area of our life with being parents, with being in relationship, with our work, with leadership with our kids, with our roommates, interpersonal relationships. We don't know what we don't know. And the whole entire reason that Paul came to Thessalonica was to teach that group of people all these things about Jesus and life that they didn't know that they didn't know. I will go as far as saying that I think that one probably of the top five most important things you can do in your life is get a mentor. It doesn't necessarily have to be a specific, like this is a, your mentor and it's gonna last this long. But it could be just people that you look up to that you're really intentional about learning from. Uh, at a charity event a couple of weeks ago, I ran into this lady. She, um, she, there was all these people that are doing 
charity work in our town with uh, people that are impoverished and people that are homeless. And I want some more resources on how to know how to handle this as a church because we get calls about it. And this is a reality in our community. And I feel very underprepared to handle this. And so I went up after this charity event and met with some people that were doing different nonprofits in town. And, and I chatted with this lady, set up a meeting with her. And then she told me that she used to be a, a children's pastor. And he said, oh, that's really, that's really wonderful. Um, you know, I just, I really wanna grow in being a mom and I'd love to be able to pick your brain. And so she was like, yeah, come check out, check out our organization and then we can talk parenting kids to, to grow to love Jesus. And I'm like, done. It doesn't have to be super formal. I'll probably meet with this lady one time, but I want a preferred future. I want a future where I am a better mom, where I can raise my kids to love Jesus and to make good choices. So I asked her to mentor me for a small portion of time. There are things that we don't know that we don't know. And until we find people that can teach us those things, we will never know them. And our life and our decisions will be impacted by things that we don't know. So this past week, I went to a trip. Some of you know, I went down to Oklahoma Wesleyan University. We are a part of a denomination called the Wesleyan Church, which is a small denomination, but we have a college that raises up pastors. So I went down there and was trying to recruit some interns because I believe in mentoring. And because I have this list of about 75 things that I teach my staff and all of our interns, and here's what's really awesome about this list of 75 things, none of them came from me. They are all things that I have learned from reading, from listening to podcasts, from having mentors. They are things that I didn't know, 75 things that I didn't know that helped me now to be a better pastor and to be a better leader. And so will you guys pray with me in hoping that we get some interns for this coming summer? That would be really, really awesome. But I have to say that for me, the trip was a success because of this. Um, when I was doing the signups, I had my cool little table with all of our Grove gear, and I was sitting next to this kid that was recruiting people for dodgeball, to, for intramural dodgeball, and so they had the sign-up list going on, and I was there doing my little intern spiel, and this kid comes up to sign up for dodgeball, and he goes, oh, hey, are you, si are you playing dodgeball? And I'm like, no, but do you think I'm in college? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I graduated college a really long time ago. And he goes, oh, you can't tell. And I was like, done, mission accomplished. This trip has been a huge success. You are now my new favorite person, so. But in all seriousness, part of the reason that we have interns and we've had interns in the past is because we believe in developing the future generations. We believe in developing you because there are so many things that we don't know that we don't know. And then the last thing that a great mentor does, the last thing that a great mentor does is that they lead you closer to God. Yes, it's important to grow in your parenting. Yes, it's important to grow in your marriage, in your relationships. Yes, it's important to grow in your leadership. Yes, it's important to grow in your profession. But over all of those things, along with that should be somebody that is there encouraging you to grow in your faith, that they love Jesus, that they're learning, and you see it because it comes out in the things that they're talking about. So for me, I have, to, I have to find that in different ways because I'm the one that's talking to you guys on Sunday morning, so I need 
somebody that's talking to me. I go to this Bible study and there is a lady in her 60s that she just, she knows her Bible and she is reading it. And when she talks and leads this Bible study, you just hear it coming out of her. Of like, oh yeah, when I was reading this passage earlier this week, I thought about this and it made me call this person and encourage them in this way. It just oozes out of her. And she is helping me to grow more in my faith. And this is exactly what Paul was doing to this group of people. He was encouraging them to grow in their faith. So what would it look like for you to start to have some mentors in your own life? It doesn't have to be a long, year-long commitment where it's formalized. The person that's mentoring you might not even know that they're mentoring you. You can just kinda pick their brain about things ask to go to coffee, hang out with them. There is so much that you can learn from observing people. If you want a great marriage, hang out with people that have a great marriage and see how they treat each other. If you wanna be a great parent, look at some kids that maybe you feel like they're headed on the right path and, and hang out with those parents and see how they parent their kids. If you see somebody that's a really awesome leader, Maybe ask them to go for coffee and, and ask them, who are, what books are they reading? What, what podcasts are they listening? What have they done that has made them a great leader? I would be a drastically different and way less effective leader if it hadn't been for all of the mentors that I have in my life. I am constantly searching for people that can teach me things so that my list Maybe by the end of my ministry, it's gonna be like 250. Julie's 250 things. Because right now it's 75 and I wanna keep growing in that because there are things that I don't know that I don't know. If you're here this morning and you need help finding a mentor and we can maybe try to encourage you guys and, and, and put some people together, feel free to mark that on your communication sheet. Like, hey, I, I love a mentor. Or if there's somebody that you're thinking of, just ask them to coffee. Maybe don't like frighten them away by pulling out the mentor word, but maybe just be like, hey, you wanna grab coffee occasionally? And then you can just pick their brain. Or maybe you can ask them to do a more formalized mentorship. Whatever that looks like for you, realize that there are people in your squad that have many more experiences than you, that are older than you, and they might have learned a lot from doing it the bad way the first time along, from the, from the things that they learned the hard way, but those lessons are still super valuable. So right now here at The Grove, every week we give what's called a God's space time. We believe that God is actively involved in your life, that he speaks to you directly, and that he has something to say to you this morning where being mentored is concerned. Look for somebody that cares about you. Look for somebody that is gonna practice compassion with candor. Look for somebody that knows things that you don't know that you don't know. And look for somebody that is gonna help you grow in your faith. That's going to encourage you to read the Bible a little bit more often, to fall in love with this great, amazing God that moved heaven and earth for you to be here this morning so that you could know he wants to be in a relationship with you.
C.S. Lewis said, the next best thing to being wise oneself is to live among those who are. Seek out those people in your squad that are wise, that could mentor you, that are gonna help bring you towards that preferred future where we are able to go out and live out this particular goal to make a difference in our community, to help people know that they are loved by you and by God. Will you pray with me this morning? God, thank you so much that you were our first mentor, that you cared about teaching us things, that you cared about giving us a Bible that we could learn from. We thank you for Paul's example as he mentored the people that he was teaching. I pray that we would look for mentors, that if we are struggling with feeling like we're not moving far enough ahead in life as fast as we want, that we would look to people that are gonna care about us, that are gonna practice compassion with candor, that are gonna teach us things that we don't know, and they're gonna help us grow in our faith. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the message of the week. If you were inspired by this message and would like to speak with a pastor, check out our website at thegrovecommunity.net for more info.